0: Jesse, come on up here. <laughs> I'm excited to have Jesse. We were originally just going to have Jesse share for a few minutes because I was in the middle of a series that I decided to cut short. And so last week, I just said to Jesse, why did you come and preach this day? I mean, this group hasn't expo- been fully exposed to all of you. Whoa. You know, there's a, a word in the Bible that's dunamis. Mm-hmm. You know that word? Yes. It's the word power. Mm-hmm. Uh, same word we get dynamite from. Exactly. Uh, this, dynamite. this is what I prepare for whenever I hear you speak. <laughs> Let me pray for you as Thank we begin. Lord, thank you for Jesse. I thank you for his calling to Guatemala. We pray that you will bless this ministry as it grows and continues to not only survive, but thrive, and new things are happening. I pray that you'll speak through Jesse this morning and deliver your word to us. We pray in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. Welcome, brother.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, it was a, it was a great message to receive from the pastor. He was. Asking if I was willing to to preach and I was like, wow, that's great Uh, I'm excited for that First I want to say thank you Um, Thank you to the congregation many in the congregation have prayed for me my wife and my son many have prayed for Albuquerque International Ministries and The work we're doing throughout Latin America, but right now specifically in Guatemala. So thank you for that. We also Received some letters in Guatemala. That's so very exciting. I love mail. I don't know about you guys. I love mail I never get mail That movie you got mail that should be written for me, and I hope it's true. I like I like getting mail Um, So we've gotten a couple of of cards from you guys, and it's been great I will let you know that when you send the card it takes about two months to arrive at my doorstep in Guatemala so Plan kind of based on that. If there's a specific date you're trying to get something to us by, but um, yeah, we love getting mail. So thank you. That's been very, very encouraging to us. We got a my wife got her first ever piece of mail, and it was from this church, and she was just very, very excited about that. Very thankful for that. So thank you. And then our our son got his first piece of mail from the United States from this church for his birthday. So thank you very much for that. We're we're greatly appreciative of that. Speaking of my wife and my son, hello, honey, if you can see me, love you. Hola, mi morchi, te amo, te amo. My wife and my son are doing well. Um, They send their greetings. Jedediah just with a big smile. Um, And my wife said to say thank you for your support for me, for the ministry, for our family. So thank you all very, very much for that greetings from them. Uh, My family is doing well. Jedediah has had some challenges, as many of you know, um, but he is adorable. I should have given you a slide. I should have given you a a picture to put up there so you all could could see the the gorgeous little boy that he is. Um, He's doing really, really well, and we're praising God for that. There's been health challenges, but God's faithful, and he's stable right now, and I'm looking forward to being able to hold him in my arms this Wednesday. I fly out on Tuesday, but I have a overnight in Houston. But we'll get back on the ground uh, Wednesday about midday and be able to have him in my arms and my wife as well, which is very exciting. Woohoo! Um, so yeah, j- things are going well with our family. Uh, we're thanking God for that. For the ministry, I'd like to give just a little update on, on how ministry is going. We are praising God. Yesterday we had a, an event in Hanover, Um, We had about 45 people in attendance, uh, just celebrating 10 years of ministry. And uh, it's incredible. I sat down at my computer over the last week. I've been really, really busy, so it had to be kind of last minute. So this last week, looking at like 25,000 different pictures that have been taken over the last 10 years and editing that down to 2,500 pictures that would be shown on on um, on a slideshow at the event. It ran three times, it's two hours long, but just overwhelmed by the goodness of God, what He has done in and through our ministry, over these past 10 years, the way he's, it's been very different. We were very honest. Uh, One of our former board members, my spiritual father, Mike Holland, was at the event and shared, you know, we had anticipated being a little bit further along at this point, Um, but God has been faithful and good in what he has been doing. Surprised us in many ways at ways he's used the ministry to bless others. So in the end of June, we were able to start up our Vidas Nuevas ministry, which is a ministry, ministry directly to the children in a red zone community. Um, red zone is what the government deems red zone areas are gang presence, uh, drug involvement, uh, poverty, and addictions, uh, just very vulnerable areas. So when I say red zone, I'm not talking about the Red light District. It's a little bit different. There's not a lot of the similar problems that you have in the Red light District there. It's more the gang and, and, and drug influence there. So that's where we're present. And so that's where we finally, after two years of, of this C word, and I call it a cuss word, this C word that's been happening in the world, um, <laughs> we've been able to finally start up being present with the kids again. Our first time together, we had 28 kids, then we had 26, and then we had 35, and just yesterday, we had, while I was here, they were still, we have our team on the ground running the ministry, and we had 46 kids show up yesterday for the ministry time, and we're being able to love on them, bless them, share the gospel, play some soccer, give them a recreational times, uh, a craft time, and just bring the gospel, and try to encourage, and strengthen preserve their families in this red zone community. So I'm really excited about that. I wish I could share with you all the pictures and tell you all the stories, but I do want to tell you one. July 2nd was our second week of being able to do our Vidas Nuevas this year, and about five minutes before it was time to start up the ministry, my phone started beeping, and I had four of the volunteers cancel on me a volunteer that was supposed to be doing the giving the lesson, a volunteer that was supposed to be leading the soccer time, and, and two other volunteers just said, uh, other things, I'm sick, I can't be there. And so it was last minute, and I'm like, what's going on? So we got the kids together, we walked them to the soccer fields where we hold our Vidas Nuevas ministry, and uh, as we get there, it starts to rain. Our soccer, the soccer fields that we rent are open air, And so it's not the most conducive for it to be raining. Uh, Fortunately, the guy in charge came over to us and said, why don't you go under the tin roof that we have over here for a couple of parking spaces? Why don't you go under there, take the kids over there, and just spend some time with them and see if the rain just passes. So as I was walking that way, God said to me, why don't you share your testimony of how I've used soccer in your life? Because kids love soccer. We play soccer with the kids in Vidas Nuevas. And so I shared. I shared my testimony and... um, Had this new guy in our group, um, 17 years old, he was sitting just to the right of me, and he was really engaged, I was really surprised, because he was kind of that age where you thought you might, you know, just kind of be distracted and thinking of other things, but he was really engaged, and so I shared my testimony, shared about what God had done, and then I offered... Um, for the children to say the salvation prayer and know Jesus not only as Savior, but also as Lord. I'm very adamant that we as the church share both aspects. God doesn't just save us. He also wants authority of our lives. So I shared that and uh, asked if anybody wanted to, you know, I had the kids close their eyes and, and bow their heads and asked if anybody wanted to accept Christ. And he raised his hand. And 17 years old, Brian... <laughs> awesome. Like it just, that to me is why we do ministry. That to me is, is what it is about being present there. So the next Saturday, the ninth, I, I had already communicated with him during the week and said, hey, can I take you out for breakfast? So I took him to McDonald's because The American things are kind of wanted down there for some reason. So we went to McDonald's and had breakfast there. And I gave him a Bible and asked if we could start a discipleship relationship. And uh, he's excited for that. He's also on our volunteer team to help with the program, with the Vidas Nuevas program. And he also wants to be in a leadership development program with me. I've bought six books, John Maxwell books here uh, in Spanish that I'm taking back with me. And then we've got six young guys that are interested in a leadership development time with me. So praise the Lord for that. Things are going, going well with Abagar. We are <laughs> praising God. Uh, from the human perspective, people could say, oh, you're so small, not, not a whole lot is happening, but these are the things that God's heart is about, that we get to see lives transformed. And eternity impacted and changed for his glory. So very, very excited about all, all that. We're also doing a building up, Theme for this year, Building Up is our theme. And uh, we have a church that is uh, our largest sponsor for the ministry. And they just up their amount and are coming, having me come visit them in October to share with them about our ministry and about our Building Up project. So if you pray that God would put it on their hearts because they're taking a special offering that Sunday specifically for our building project. We're going to be building a four-story four, four story, uh, building on the property that we bought just a couple of years ago there in Guatemala. It's just a small plot of land, but God said, build up. So that's kind of influenced our theme for this year. Wonderful. So that's my update on ministry. Abigail's is going well. We're thanking the Lord for that 10 years of ministry and going strong. Praise the Lord. I wanted to talk to you today about God's great grace. That's what I would name this sermon. Um, Hearing Pastor John talk about dynamite, I am blown away when the Holy Spirit shows up. Like, that's when dynamite happens. I have so many times tried preaching in my own strength, and boy, does it just kind of fall flat on its face. Can God use it? Yes, absolutely. But it just kind of falls flat on its face. But with the Holy Spirit leading and guiding, um, I, I, I think what, what's going to be spoken here today is exactly what he has for, for someone here in this In this congregation, I'm very excited to share it. So, God's great grace. There is a verse that has stuck out to me often. Um, Many people have asked me, you know, how do I know what God's will is for my life? How do I know what God's calling me to be doing? And I always find myself a little bit surprised by that. There is a verse in the Bible that is written for every human being what God's will is for you. And it's very clear, and I love it. So if we were to look in the Bible, in Micah chapter 6, verse 8, it reads, He has showed you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Now how that pans out is obviously very different. Some are called to be missionaries across the sea. Some are called to be missionaries here uh, where God has planted you here. Others are called to the business world. Others are called to being a stay-at-home mom or a stay-at-home dad. There's so many different things that God calls us to. But that calling right there is a calling for all of us. No matter where he's called you, he's called you. To do justly. I like that translation a little little better. Like to do justly. Not just to act justly, but to do justly. And everything that you do, may justice be a part of it. To do justly. To love mercy. Who here loves mercy? Yeah? For yourself, right? Who here loves to give mercy? (laughs) If we're honest... We're, we're, we're quite a judgmental and condemning people in our own, in like the natural, not in the spiritual, where we're prone to see someone that looks different, smells different, acts different, and kind of stick up our nose and, and not really want mercy for them. We kind of just don't want to be around them. So loving mercy is something that is a discipline that we have to learn, that we have to really Implement in our lives by watching that God has done it for us. We love mercy. There is a truth about that when it's for us. We love how merciful God, oh my goodness, God has been so merciful to me, I can't even tell you. Yeah, I deserve hell a million times over, and his mercy has just fallen upon me. I love that mercy, but do I love it to extend it as well? And that's really what we're we're reading here is to love mercy is more than just receive, but to give mercy. To love being merciful, which is, which is powerful to me. And then walking humbly. How many of us are humble? I'm the most humble person I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, humility is not always our, our, greatest, our greatest strength. And so walking humbly with our God. I have a few, few passages that speak to these different aspects of this verse. I think they kind of outline uh, what's being asked of us in each of these uh, three aspects. To do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with God. So, do justly.
2: Matthew, chapter 25, verse 31 to 46. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his throne in heavenly glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right hand and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, I tell you the truth, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment for the righteous to eternal life.
1: Thank you. This passage is the passage I have preached the most on in my life. Matthew 25, 31 to 46. Whatever you do for the least of these, you do also for me. Whatever you did not do. For the least of these, you did not do for me. God's sense of justice is, is quite different than ours. It's, it's, a, it's a very different idea of justice. Because God's idea of us doing justly is, is doing justly to others that, that have his heart. The way he would intervene for others is how he would have us to do justly. For those... That, that don't have somebody advocating for them, someone, that, someone to intervene, to intercede. We're called to be that. We're called to do that. And that's part of doing justly. Uh, I love that. It, 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 it's kind of a life motto of mine. Like, do justly. In God's way of doing justly, I have a note that I was going to read later, but I'm going to read it now. True followers of Jesus are called to a very counterintuitive and counterinstinctive way of life. God's sense of justice, God's sense of mercy, and God's sense of humility are not exactly what our brains want to say those things are. What we want to claim, well, I'm a just person. I, I put my offering in the plate every Wednesday night and every Sunday morning. God has a different idea of what it is to do justly. And, and I love that passage because to me, that is us doing justly. When have we given a glass of water? When have we visited, visited a child that's orphaned or someone who's widowed? When have we gone to the prison and loved on those who are there in the prison? Oh, but they don't deserve it. Well, that goes to mercy. Love mercy. Love mercy.
3: Mercy. This reading is from John 8, verses 2 through 11. Early in the morning at sunrise, he returned again to the temple. All the people began to gather around him, so he sat down and once again began to teach and tell his stories. Across the plaza, a cloud of dust was rising from a crowd of people who were walking towards Jesus as he was teaching. They were forcibly dragging the woman along with him. He could see her tears and the look of terror on her face. It was the scribes and the Pharisees. They brought the woman to Jesus and forced her down to the ground in front of him and all the people. Wisdom keeper, they said. We found this woman in the very act of being unfaithful to her husband. Moses instructed us in the law to throw stones at her until she dies. What do you have to say about this? They were putting him to a test so they could have a way to accuse him. The crowd was silent and waited to see what he would say, but he said nothing. He bent over and with his finger wrote something in the dirt. And when he did not answer right away, the Pharisees became angry and kept questioning him. Jesus looked up at them and said, The one who has done no wrong should be the first to throw a stone at her. He then bent over and again he began to write in the dirt with his finger. When they heard his words, they all stood there silently. Then, beginning with the elders, one at a time, they dropped their stones and walked away. Soon all were gone except Jesus and the woman. He stood up and looked at her. Honored woman, he said, where are the ones who are accusing you? Is there no one who finds fault with you? The woman looked up at him timidly into his eyes and said, no one, wisdom keeper. Then I find no fault with you, he said to her. You may go your way, but take care not to return to this broken path you have been walking.
1: Thank you. This woman was found guilty. I always wonder, where is the man? Why is it just the woman? But this woman was found guilty and brought out as an adulterous woman. And these men are trying to put on a facade of justice. Instead of it being justice, it's justifying themselves by the Word of God, which many times we can do. I heard a wonderful um, wonderful phrase in college from one of my college professors, and he said, any text without a context is a pretext. Don't be a pretext Christian. And I, and I love that. I think there's a lot of power in that. In context, we, we understand what the word is saying. So as they're trying to justify their actions, your word, you know the law of Moses says that we should stone this woman to death. What do you say, trying to, to catch him in a trap? I love the mercy that God shows here. He humbles these men who want to throw some stones. And we don't know what he wrote. There's there's no way. Uh, Nobody knows what he wrote. But it was sufficient enough to convict them that they couldn't throw the stone, that they couldn't cast those stones, that they had to put them down and walk away themselves. God is a God who loves mercy and wants us to love mercy. It is very easy to say, ah, they got what, what was coming to them. He <laughs> deserved that. That's, that's very easy for us to think, to say, to have an attitude about. It's not very merciful. But acting justly leads to, to, to loving mercy. Because when we see what God calls justice, when we see what God says is to do justly, And we do that. So go and give someone the glass of water that they need, clothes on the back that they need, visit them in the hospital, visit them in the prison. Be with the people that are the least of these. As we go and we do that, as we are about that, God instills in us through his Holy Spirit this love of mercy that we want to see the God victory come through in people's lives being redeemed and changed. It is because God was merciful. It was because God was merciful with me as a little boy that I can stand here today and challenge you to also love mercy. Without His mercy... I am a wretch without his mercy. I am nothing. And I would not have the impact on the world that I'm having, the way that God has called my life to be, if I didn't also walk loving mercy. I don't do it perfectly. (laughs) Far from a saint. But to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly.
4: Philippians 2, verse 3 through 8. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. "...who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man." I love
1: Jesus' example that he leads for us in humility. Here is the author of life. Here is the author of everything that has ever existed. And he came to serve and not be served. He came to live as a servant. He came to live humbly to model for us what humility looks like. I I have a, I have a fun brain. Um, God gave me a genius IQ before an accident. Some of that still sticks there a little bit. My brain can go on like 40,000 different synapses at the same time, and I have like 40,000 stories going on. I think about all the superheroes that we've created. Marvel has come up with an awful lot, and as I think about every one of those superheroes and the the powers that they were gifted with, if you think about the superheroes, at least the good superheroes, I think now they're creating superheroes that are heroes that shouldn't be heroes, but the superheroes that have good powers, Jesus has all of those. Here is a man who walked on water, who spoke the earth into being, who knew you before the creation of the world, and yet came As a baby in a manger. I want to say something that will disgust some people probably. Pooped for 33 years. Do you get that? That's humility. That's that's Jesus. (laughs) To walk humbly. God's great grace to us is his invitation into this life to make it about Him and not about ourselves. And Jesus showed us a great model of that as He walked humbly here. I'm going to repeat the quote that I said earlier. Just in, it's my quote, but it's, it's something that I just think is very, very important for us to really hear. True followers of Jesus are called to a very counterintuitive and counterinstinctive way of life. The least of these, who in their right mind, is honestly thinking about the least of these because they want to. We find ourselves wanting to, I, I still am guilty of this. I hate it. I, even in this past week, there was someone that I wanted to do that to, and I had to repent. Because that is someone that Jesus, that is someone that God wants me to do justice with. His kind of justice. Go be His light. Go be His love. Go be His presence to the least of these. Justice is not punishment, but rather is God's gift of grace. That really is the justice of God. His grace doesn't give us excuse to sin. What did He say to the lady who was caught in adultery? He said, go and sin no more it wasn't the go and the mercy that he extended and not giving the punishment that she may have deserved was an excuse to go and sin some more we miss it if that's what we let it be it's go and sin no more pretty powerful Mercy is also grace over the idea of punishment. So justice is a form of God's grace. Mercy is a form of God's grace. And I want to tell you, only by God's great grace may we humbly walk with Him. I have seen so many people tout how great they are and not seen how very minuscule, and very vain, that looks and is in the big picture. In the reality of all of this, Jesse Allen Rivers doesn't matter. What matters? God matters. The justice that God wants lived out on this earth matters. The mercy that he wants shown that points back to him, that matters. And living a life of humility Serving others is so much more facil- f- fulfilling that, than leaving, living a life so full of vanity and pride. I, I've known some rather wealthy people in my day. Also some poor people. And I'll tell you, the contentment of a little boy to be given a glass of water has superseded the excitement I've seen in billionaires being able to use their their lakefront home, like there is something more fulfilling in living a humble life before the Lord, walking humbly with God, is so much more fulfilling. There is God's grace given to us as we walk in humility. We are more fulfilled. We are more content than walking in our own well, trouble. Look at me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, look here, yeah, yeah, yeah. my name, my name. That doesn't, it doesn't do anything in comparison to when we walk humbly and, and, and we give the glory where the glory goes, back to God. That really, it's a grace of God that he allows us, that he invites us into a life of service, walking humbly, and, and then it points back to him, but it also fulfills us it brings us to a place of such great satisfaction and contentment. Moses asked to see God's glory. And God graciously showed it to him at least in part. But he protected and covered him. As he put his hand over him, I can't think of any other action I've ever heard of that to me... Speaks of great humility. God's like, I know I'm I'm this, but I know you can't handle it, so let me tone it down a little bit for you. I'm going to put my hand here. I'm going to put you in the cleft of the rock and just let you see my back so I don't obliterate you. Like, what a grace of God. What a humility of God. It is only... By God's great grace can we do this life well. It is only by God's great grace can we do this life well. So let us ask God to extend to us His great grace to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with our God. As we do that, we impact this world. We have a greater testimony than we're ever going to create for ourselves. I love this passage, and I hope we meditate on it and we take it to heart. How doing justly leads to loving mercy, which helps us to walk humbly before God. They're all intertwined. It's not three separate things. It's actually a knit-together package of God's great grace of how we're to live our life, to do justly love, mercy, and walk humbly with her, God. Amen.